0: to me, and don't hesitate, and you won't be disappointed, I am everything you need. yes yes welcome thank you for watching welcome as we will share the word together as we will seek god together as we will be nourished by his words Uh, let us start in prayer inviting god and the holy spirit to reveal his very word to us uh, at this moment let us pray lord you are here and you are in the room of whoever's watching and i pray that you will come and meet us today Lord, that as we seek your face, as we open your word, as we seek that which is from you, Lord, we pray that you will reveal yourself. Lord, I pray for my brother and my sister who's watching. I pray that you will touch them in a personal way. Lord, that you'll make the words that, that I'm about to speak and the words that we'll, we are about to read, that you'll make them applicable into their very situations, into their very lives. Because, Lord, that's what you do. You don't speak words that are just nice to hear. But you speak words that bring life. You speak words that become a, a fountain of water and well up from our hearts. And Lord, we pray that um, yeah, that as we are nourished by your words this, this morning or this afternoon, uh, we pray that it may overflow to the other people around us. Lord, we thank you for this honor of, of hearing your words. We thank you for this honor of being in your presence. And we pray that, you, that we will meet you here. We want to meet you, King Jesus, our Father, Holy Spirit. Your name, we pray. Amen. So, I want to take you in your imagination to third year, thirty-three A.D. It is the last week before Jesus' crucifixion, and I want you to imagine that you are in that place. I want you to imagine that you are in the city of Jerusalem, and maybe, if that helps you, you can close your eyes. And you can pretend that you're at that place in this very moment what do you smell you smell some some marketplaces some spices of people who try to to sell stuff in the streets you hear people talking you hear um, maybe even goats uh, walking through the streets and people want to, to offer them you hear pigeons making sounds as they're being brought to the temple to be offered What do you see? You see people gather around and you see that there's tension in the city. It has strange times. It are times of of tension and, and the whole city feels that something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. There's going to be a climax in these past three years there's been a build-up because this this man this strange rabbi jesus has been speaking has been doing miracles has been gathering people around him and there's been tension that's been building up and building up and building up and everybody knows that this is the time that something is going to happen either there's going to be a new king of israel who's going to be crowned in jerusalem who's going to deliver the the israelites from the romans who's gonna challenge the authorities the 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 current religious authorities the jews the leaders and it's gonna challenge them and establish a new a new religion i would almost say either this is gonna happen jesus is gonna be crowned king or it's gonna be so that 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 this jesus will eventually it will cost him his head the words that he's been speaking, the, the, the way that he's been challenging the, the, the Romans, the way he's been challenging the, the religious leaders, the authority of, of Jerusalem, it looks like that it might cost him, will cost him his life. And Jerusalem feels that something is up. Something is about to happen. In this week, there were people who gathered as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And people, they, they threw their cloaks on the street so that Jesus could ride over them with, with, with his donkey. Exactly what happened earlier in, in, in the book of Kings uh, for the king. They threw down their cloaks so that the king could ride over them. A way of submitting themselves, of saying, you are the king, come to your palace. Come and, and claim your right to the throne. And people had been, had been waving with, with branches, with palm branches. As a way of victory palm branches symbolized in the temple of 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 victory of 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 the rich symbolism of the palm that, that 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 does not wither but that stands upright and people had been praising this jesus but the religious leaders had been seeing this and they knew that it was time to do something they knew that jesus could no longer could no longer speak out Or they would indeed claim him king. They would indeed enthrone him in Jerusalem. This is the time where we are speaking about. 33 AD, the last week before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And in this time, it seems to, in this climax of the story of Jesus in the book of Matthew, to which we will read a chapter And just now. This last week... It ends as it started. As Jesus starts his ministry, in John 2, we read that the first thing he does is that he goes to the temple and he cleans the temple. And you all know this story of how he, how he made a whip and, and, uh, and how, he, how he just, just outraged over, over the temple, the house of his father. He said, this house of my father has become a den of robbers. And he threw the tables. He insulted the people who, 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 who corrupted the house of his father, the temple. That happened at the very start of Jesus' ministry. But now in chapter 20, 21, the week before Jesus is crucified, again Jesus goes to the temple. And what does he do? He cleanses the temple. He outrages again he shows that that this is not the way that god has meant it this is not the way that god has designed this temple to be to glorify him people have corrupted this temple people have used it as a way as a marketplace to enrich their own pockets to seek their own fame their own riches and jesus is outraged with a holy anger With the holy anger he cleanses the temple at the end of his ministry just as he did three years ago at the start of his ministry something is about to happen there is a climax and everybody feels it the whole city of Jerusalem feels that something is happening here something is happening here and through this this time of Jesus of Jesus ministry in in Galilee and in Jerusalem he had gained followers People had been searching for him, people who who needed healing, who needed deliverance, people who needed his, his explanation of the very word of God. And while Jesus had gained popularity, Jesus had also made enemies, and his authority had been challenged. The reason that Jesus went to the temple and that he cleansed the temple it was the ultimate deed of authority. It was the ultimate deed of authority that jesus showed this is the temple of my father this is my house and this the way that you have made my house is not the way of my father and i have the authority to cleanse the temple i have the authority to rebuke you jesus showed his ultimate authority And we see that the authorities in Jesus' time, the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, even the Herodians, they had been challenging Jesus. They had been, they had been, it it scared them. The way that Jesus, uh, that Jesus exercised authority, it even says in the word that Jesus didn't speak as the Pharisees or the scribes, but Jesus spoke with authority. The people the people know that the people uh, saw that jesus spoke with an authority that was different than religious leaders of that time and the religious leaders it made them scared it made them fearful it made them unable to 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 arrest jesus up to this point point. and in this last week before jesus crucifixion and his resurrection we see that jesus is challenged by these leaders the opposition increases and I think it, 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 it helps us to, to, to place the story that we're about to read or the words of Jesus that we're about to read to, br- to place it in this bigger context. Because it helps us to, to understand why Jesus is, is saying the things that he is saying in Matthew 23, the chapter that we will read. Because just before chapter 23, we see in, in, in chapter 21, as I said, Jesus' triumphal entry into jerusalem where the people shout hosanna hosanna the 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 son of david our king and 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 this chapter where 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 also the authorities are now challenging him chapter 21 chapter 22 the different authorities religious authorities are coming to jesus and are challenging him they know that something is up and they're trying to 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 break him down they're trying to, to take away his, 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 his believability. They're trying to, 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 to take him away from this thing that he's about to do. And actually also this, at the end of Jesus' life, it ends how it started. Because what happened at the very start of Jesus' ministry? Jesus was challenged by the enemy. Isn't that right? In Matthew 4, Jesus was challenged by the devil himself. And the devil himself tried to challenge his authority. The devil himself tried to take him away from the plans that he had because he knew that something was up, he knew that something was about to happen, and the devil was scared, the devil was feared, and the devil tried to bring Jesus up from these plans, and now again, as Jesus is about to to to, to be glorified as King, not on the throne but on a cross. The enemy knows that something is up. And again, they try to challenge his authority. They try to, 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 to make Jesus unstable, to, to, to um, make him, to take away his confidence. <laughs> Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? But they also try to 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 make Jesus un, 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 untrustworthy in the eyes of the, of the people. And we see that four types of religious authorities approached Jesus in these times. First of all, the chief priests and the elders, the ones that, that all the people from Israel were looking up to, the, the highest authorities of, 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 the, of the Jewish religion, they challenged Jesus' authority. And Jesus responds with challenging their authority. Jesus responds with pointing to the Father and says, My authority is from the Father and from the Father alone. And secondly the Herodians come and maybe you've heard of this this term this this group of people the Herodians and maybe not I will just quickly re- explain a bit about it the Herodians were people who tried to 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 follow the state, to follow Herod King Herod and yet be Jews at the same time and actually they, they were very political they made the religion into politics and they were challenging Jesus by asking a question about politics. They said, to whom should we pay taxes? And you know, all know the story that Jesus took a coin and he asked, who is this, this face on the coin? And they said it is Caesar face, Caesar's face. And Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. Jesus was challenged by the Herodians, but Jesus knew what to say. Jesus knew that that that. That his authority was from God and the third group that is challenging him are the Sadducees and the Sadducees was was another group of, of religious authority they were actually a group who who opposed the, Pharise- the, the Pharisees in, in, in a lot of ways the Sadducees and the Pharisees they they weren't friends <laughs> only as, as, as they gathered to oppose Jesus they came together and the Sadducees they didn't believe that, that, that um, they didn't believe in the resurrection and they ask him a question about that. They challenge his, his Jesus' authority again. But Jesus asks, uh, answers them with the knowledge that is from God. Jesus answers them from the scriptures. And the fourth and final group that challenge him, that, that, that come to him, is, is are the Pharisees and actually, actually ex, especially lawyers, Pharisee, Pharisees' lawyers, that, that knew everything about the law. And they challenge him about the law. And they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And you all know what Jesus responds to that in Matthew 22. The greatest commandment is to love your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds to this challenging of of his authority with authority. And how does he respond? He responds exactly the same as he responded at the start of his ministry. When the devil tried to attack him. When the devil tried to challenge him and the devil even knew scripture hey did you know that the devil knows scripture the enemy knows scripture and sometimes he can he can attack you with 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 the very words of scripture because scripture is just a book scripture are just words it is only by the spirit of god that it may come alive it is only by the spirit of god that it may reveal its true meaning And as Jesus is challenged by scripture, by the devil at the start of his ministry, and Jesus is challenged by scripture, by his enemies in Jerusalem at the very end of his ministry, Jesus responds how? Jesus responds with scripture. With the revealed scripture. The God-breathed scripture. And what does does Jesus do? Jesus takes this scripture and fires it back. Because scripture is the sword it is the sword it is the very word of God and it is a way that we arm ourselves to the enemy and maybe you've been challenged by the enemy maybe even by scripture maybe even through false interpretation of the scriptures you've been challenged and you've been trying to to try to shake you to bring you down what do you do in such a moment you don't hide away you don't succumb you, do, you don't surrender to that you attack by using scripture just as Jesus did and the second thing that Jesus did in, in all these examples that i that I mentioned now all these these four encounters but also the encounter with the devil at the start of his ministry Jesus points to the father this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased that was the start of Jesus ministry that was the start of Jesus going out into the desert and preaching the gospel his identity is in Christ. His identity is in God. His identity is in, is in the fact that he's a son of the Father. And every time when he is challenged in this last week before his crucifixion, he points to God and he says that God is his Father. He says that God has the ultimate authority. And because God is his Father, because he's, 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 he's one with God, he's resting in the heart of the Father, as John says, that is why he has now authority to answer to these people that try to shake him to try to break him down and I believe we can already read from this learn from this before we've even read the word we can already learn from the way that, that Jesus responds to, 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 to people trying to bring him down to people who are, who are trying to, to shake him to people who, who are trying to, to take away his focus on the kingdom respond with scripture respond with pointing to the father that is your authority. Your beloved God is well pleased in you. That is your identity. That is your identity. So at this end, you know, I've always wondered at the way that Jesus responds to, to his opposition. Jesus was such or is such a such a clever Clever, clever, um, sharp men, and God—the <laughs> way that He responds—it is often not in 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 laying out their arguments and then saying this and that, and and, and you know, writing a book about it. A dogmatic. Oh, Paul was more 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 that type of, type of guy who who wrote it all down. But Jesus responds in a different way. Jesus responds by asking them questions Jesus is like he's he's backfiring the way that 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 they try to attack him he's using that against them they're asking him questions They're challenging their his authority he's asking them questions he's challenging their authority he's giving them parables stories that that show the kingdom of God that show the identity of of Jesus of himself and in that way, he's not explaining clearly, but he's, he's planting seeds in their hearts. The kingdom of God is like leaven that, that, that spreads through the bread. That slowly, even invisible, spreads through the bread until all the bread is leavened. All the dough is leavened. And, and that's the way that Jesus often spoke. Very small, by, by dropping a story. An unclear story. And only those who who want to hear it, for those it is clear. But in the heart, it works. In the heart, it grows. In the heart, the the seed sprouts and, and, and the kingdom of God grows. And that's the way that Jesus used to speak. But then there's one chapter in Matthew. There's one chapter in Jesus' ministry. One moment when Jesus is very clear this this Jesus who who could be very sharp don't get me wrong Jesus at times was was very direct and Jesus wasn't wasn't subtle in a way he was he wasn't afraid to challenge the opposition but there's one chapter where Jesus is very fierce and where Jesus actually has a lengthy almost a lengthy discourse of, of, of 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 exposing the religious leaders and exposing their heart in front of the people. There's this one chapter, and and when you read it, you can't do anything else but but to shiver a bit. Jesus, what are you telling me now? What are you saying now? Jesus isn't afraid to speak out the truth, and at the end of his ministry, he is laying it out to them. He's making it clear. These leaders, these leaders, these so-called religious people, they're from the devil. they're misled. Don't listen to them. and Jesus is very, very clear. and I want to to read together with you this this day, this Sunday, matthew twenty three and um, you know, I feel like um, it's not such a popular scripture to to preach on. Um, you know it will be more more popular to to to, to preach on on something where Jesus is actually confirming the power of the believers, where Jesus is actually um, encouraging uh, the believers uh, by by confirming their authority and by, by confirming the kingdom and the way that it will advance. This scripture is actually a scripture where Jesus is challenging the way that religion is misused. But I think that this message is undervaluated I think that this message is not heard enough, and I think that this message is very important, especially in these days. you know that jesus says in matthew twenty four in matthew twenty four verse eleven let me just read it for you it says then they will deliver, or let me start at, at verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Jesus foretells what will happen to the disciples. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Many what? Many false prophets. They will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole of the world as a testimony to all nations. And then... I believe we are living in that time now that Jesus describes here. I believe we are living in that time where we experience tribulations. I believe we are living in that time where we experience that our false prophets who are standing up in the name of Jesus, but who are actually preaching the very message of the devil. I believe we are living in a time where we need to discern, we need to see with the eyes of God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God and i believe that that this message of today is important because there are people who want to take us away from the word there are people who want to take us away from the kingdom of god there are people who want to take our eyes off jesus and to replace it with words that look like the words of Jesus, words that look as if they are from God Himself, but they actually are leading us astray. And I believe at this very moment, 2020, there are people, there are sheep who are being led astray by wolves in sheep clothes. And at this moment in Jesus' ministry, at the end. The week before his crucifixion and resurrection, he speaks out against those leaders who claim to be of God, but who actually advocates of the devil. Because it's one thing to to not care about God; it's one thing to be indifferent; it's one thing to be to be cold. But it's another thing to twist the word of God. It's another thing to use the word of God to 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 not praise Jesus but to praise yourself and I firmly believe no the word says that those people will be condemned Jesus is very harsh on the people that use the things of God not to glorify God but to glorify themselves not to bow down before the king of kings but to bow down before the idols of, of money, of, of status, of power, of sex, of, of lust, of, of pleasures. Because those things happen in church, you know. <laughs> I know it's not a popular message. I know it's, it, I might come across as, as harsh and, and fierce. But I believe it's a message of Jesus that we should care, be careful. We should be careful even in the church that we won't be led astray by the things that seem from God and the things that are actually from God. Let us read from, from Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you but not the works that they do for they preach but they do not practice they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger they do all their deeds for what they do all the deeds to be seen by others for they make their their phylacteries broad and their fringes long and Jesus is referring to, to a Jewish, um, Jewish ritual where phylacteries were actually little boxes, leather boxes where, which, which had inscriptions of the law, which they carried on their head and they carried on the left arm to, 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 to take the law of Deuteronomy literally by carrying the law on your, on your forehead and on your left arm. And the fringes, the, 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 those, those were, they were, they were tessels blue tessels on, on cords that they they wore on the garments to remind them of, of the law so so the, so they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long which means they they, they, they they make it so 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 evident that they are they're carrying the law and they 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 they're doing the law But they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors for you have one instructor. The Christ, the greatest among you, shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. These are some kind of words. And why is Jesus saying these words? I think Jesus says it clearly. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were holy people. They were spiritual people. They were upright people. <laughs> but they were doing it to be seen by others. And in their hearts, they were seeking their own honor. They were seeking their own glory. They were carrying the law on their foreheads, but they didn't carry it on their hearts. They were carrying their, the law on their, on their left arms, but they did not carry it in their ways. They preached, but they didn't, did not practice. And Jesus is challenging them jesus is challenging their authority and jesus is challenging the way that they preach jesus is challenging the way that they did the religion and i believe that jesus is challenging us you me what is the way that we do religion what is the way that we carry the law is it on our foreheads so that everybody can see that oh you're you're, you're a christian you are someone following the law oh we're carrying the law in our hearts Are you carrying the law of Jesus on your forehead or are you carrying it on your heart? Are you carrying the law of God on your left arm so that all people may see it? Or are you carrying it in your feet, where you walk, whatever you do? And Jesus goes on in Matthew 23 by naming seven woes. <laughs> and this, this, you know, this... um. This part is is, is known as the as the as the seven woes. Woe to you. (laughs) It's like an exclamation at a time where I'm I'm not sure if I can call it a curse, (laughs) but it's it's a rebuke, it's a rebuking term. Woe to you. Seven times Jesus challenging challenges the, the Pharisees. And the scribes, and says, woe to you for the way that you have perverted the message of God. In Matthew 23 verse 13, it says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, that is a new Jew. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? They were making laws. They were making, making tiny, tiny laws that, that if you do this, if you swear on this, ah, it, it doesn't count as much. But if you swear on this, then it's, you know, it has divine authority. They were twisting up the law of God because the law of God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. They were trying to, 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 to divide. They were trying to bring in, you know. To bring in ways where, where, where we can follow the, the law of God less, less, um, less wholeheartedly. And they were bringing other ways in where they're actually putting a burden on, on, on the people. By making the law of God un, unapproachable. Un, un, <laughs> impossible to follow. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So you are focused on the the tiniest of laws. You ask tithe, you ask ask, ask money for for, for even as spices, as, as mint and cumin. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, which are justice and mercy and faithfulness. The weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Your blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. (laughs) Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. You know, they started by, by appearances. They started with the outside. They carried the law on their foreheads, but they didn't carry the law in their hearts. They cleaned the plate from the outside, but they did not clean the plate from the inside. To God, it is nothing. If we only look as Christians, but inside we don't love God. Inside we don't see God. And when the people stop seeing us we forget about God and we continue in a sinful ways it is nothing to God it is nothing to God and I feel that 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 sometimes sometimes I can be inclined to that that when I come into a church where I'm handed a, a mic and 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 I sit next to a, a very romantic fireplace and and and, and speak life I may look so spiritual I may mean, use words that I would never use. <laughs> I may mean, say things that I don't even believe myself. But what do I do when I come home, when I close the door and no one sees me? Do I seek God? Do I love God? Do I seek justice and mercy and faithfulness? What do I do with the poor? Do I turn my blind eye? Do I only hang out with those who have status? With those who are in church, with those who are who, who, who look to to who I look up to? Or do I mirror the heart of Jesus? Who spend his time with sinners? Who spend his time with with who spend his time with prostitutes, who spend his time with tax collectors, who spend his time with, 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 with sick people, with, with, with people who were, who were plagued by demons, who spend my time with the poor, who sit on the side of the road. The weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And as I said, I think we can all be inclined to that sometimes, that we, we look at appearances. And I have to confess, Yes, sometimes I look at appearances and I, I, I polish myself. I make myself look, look better than, than I really am because I, 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 want to, I want to look right and I repent because God sees the heart. Man, look at it outward appearances, but God sees the heart. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are all like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets fill up then the measures of your fathers you serpents you brood of vipers how are you to escape being sentenced to hell therefore I sent you prophets and wise men and scribes some of whom you will kill and crucify and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town so that one so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakariah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Jesus is very clear. Jesus is very clear. And you know, if if you search this this text, there's 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 a lot to to say about it. There's a lot to to discover, because Jesus is is a, is a masterfully and and skillfully um, um, speaker, and and you know there are there are literally uh, literary styles that he uses here. you you, you can look it up. Um, I I, I won't, won't say too much about this. I don't want to lecture before you guys. I want to preach to the heart now, but. Um, there's a kiostic Literary style. Where Jesus addresses four different themes in these, in these seven woes. And the theme that he addresses in the, in, in the first woe, in the seventh woe, they are the same. And then the, the theme that he addresses in the second woe, and the sixth woe, are the same. And then the theme that he addresses in the third woe, and the, the fifth woe, are the same. And then there's a, 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 a thing that he addresses in the fourth woe. And in the 1st and the 7th, he's addressing the fact that the leaders, they failed to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They failed to recognize the King of Kings. And sometimes in our churches, we can fail to, to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. We can, maybe, maybe with, our, with our words, we say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach. And we, we, we might have it on our banners, but do we act that way? Do we act the way that, that, that He is the King of kings? Do we act in the way that He is the one who has come to rescue us? That we can't do it by our own strength, that we can't do it by our own glory, that we can't do it by our own ways, but that only He and He alone is the Messiah? Or are we failing to recognize Jesus as the Messiah in our lives? And in the woe of of 2 and 6, Jesus is addressing the fact that these religious leaders, they look superficially jealous. You know, they they, they try to convert people into, into Judaism, but actually they're doing more harm than good. They look zealous on the outside, but on the inside, their hearts are corrupted and they're doing more harm than good by getting people to listen to them gaining disciples and in the woe the third and the fifth woe Jesus is, is, is challenging their misguided use of scripture these people knew scripture these were religious people but they're using scripture in a way that they're not pointing to God that they're not that they're not pointing to full surrender to God in all their ways in all their, their hearts the mind their souls and the strength but they're using it for their own advantage. and in the fourth woe, the very middle, Jesus is challenging their failure to discern the thrust of Scripture. They're very hard. the religious people, they are focused on the minor things, but God asks us to be focused on the things that are in the heart of the gospel. And Jesus here names three justice mercy and faithfulness justice mercy and faithfulness are we so focused on those those small things that we forget those and I want to want to mention one more thing one more of the 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 genius genius way that Jesus is, is 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 having this discourse at this moment because Jesus is actually referring to a discourse that he had at the very start of his ministry Remember that I said that much what we read at the end of Matthew is referring to the start of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus is saying seven times, seven times woe. Woe to the people who misuse God, who, 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 who miss the kingdom of God, who do not see God clearly. Seven times woe. And it stands in contrast It stands in contrast with the very first discourse that Jesus is holding in Matthew 5 to 7. The Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5, Jesus is saying seven times. That's right. Seven times. Not seven woes, but seven times blessed. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. And I want to read from Matthew 5 the Beatitudes on the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For those for so, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want not have too much time to, to go into detail and to show how Jesus is actually addressing seven seven ways here and, and, and is actually saying blessed that contrasts the woe at the end of his ministries. But I think that it becomes evident that this what is Jesus is addressing here at Matthew 5. The way of the kingdom, it stands in a contrast to the way that the religious leaders of Jesus time were acting there was a a, a fundamental difference in the attitude of the people that Jesus calls blessed to the people that had been the religious leaders that people the people that people looked up to people that had been living out their faith but in a corrupted way And it's interesting that 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 Jesus says in in Matthew 23 you know the weightier matters of the law which are what justice mercy and faithfulness we can clearly see that he refers to Matthew 5 here as he says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied so blessed are you when you seek justice And woe to you if you miss that weightier matter of the law. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So blessed are you when you are merciful to others. And woe to you if you miss that weightier matter of the law. And then Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think that God is actually, or Jesus is actually, when he says, justice, mercy and faithfulness in Matthew 23 I think with faithfulness he's actually referring to the pure in heart because what, what what does it mean to be pure in heart what does it mean to be pure in heart purity in heart a Danish a theologian said is to will one thing purity of heart is to will one thing it is to seek one thing and one thing alone As soon as the temple becomes defiled with other idols, God can no longer live there. As soon as we worship God and sacrifice to him on the altar, but at the same time we worship and bow down to idols, God can no longer inhabit that place. Pure in heart means that we seek one thing, that we will one thing. And it is to please God. We will one thing, and it is to please you, God. And we throw down all these idols. We burn them. We break them. We take them away from the temple. Because your place is a holy place. You are a jealous God. Purity in heart is to will one thing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And in the, these times when we live in, the times that Jesus was referring to, when we will encounter tribulations, when we encounter false prophets who arise, false teachers who speak words that seem to be the words of God, they are actually deriving from this message, that God wants our heart and He wants the our heart impure. We need to surrender those idols which we have brought into the temple. We need to surrender those idols which we have brought into the church. We need to surrender those idols which we have brought into our hearts. I surrender them, God. Because I know, I know, God, that I do it time and time again. I know, God, that time and time again I'm inclined to act as the Pharisees, as the scribes, I carry the law on my forehead, but do I carry it in my heart? You know, Ezekiel says that God wants to take out a stone heart and wants to give us a heart of flesh. He wants to inscribe the law on our very hearts. There's only one way we can do that. There's only one way we can receive this living and beating heart. It is by surrendering fully to God. Is by allowing the Spirit to transform us, it is by allowing the Spirit to take everything away that is standing between us and God. It is by allowing the Spirit to wash us clean. It is by repenting and falling on our knees and saying, Abba, Father, come. I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven. But Lord, you are a God who cleans me clean and wider as And Lord, we We cast away our idols. We give our hearts to you again so that you can clean it. So that you can make it pure in heart. And we choose to not bow for outward appearances. We choose to not bow for those things that may actually point the focus on us. That may put ourselves in the spotlight. No Lord Jesus, you are in the spotlight. You alone and you alone, Lord. We even choose to not bow for leaders when they are contradicting your will, even if they are in the church. If there are wolves in sheep clothes who are leading people astray, we choose to not bow for them. We choose to not name people rabbi or teacher, for they only have one rabbi, we only have one teacher. We choose to not name people our father for we only have one father That's what Jesus. these are Jesus words and, and don't I think we shouldn't stretch this I don't think we can we can never call somebody father because we have fathers on earth we have you know earthly fathers from whom we were born and we have can even have spiritual fathers and we have rabbis and we have teachers and I don't go to, to, to class and, 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 and say, hey, hey, you there, instead of, of, of naming the teacher, teacher. Because, you know, I want to follow Jesus' words and Jesus said that I can't name you teacher. <laughs> I think you're stretching Jesus' words then. That's not what Jesus is meaning. What Jesus is meaning is, where's your heart when you call somebody a rabbi? Where's your heart when you call somebody a teacher? Where's your heart when you call, when you call somebody a father? Are you honoring them? Are you actually bowing down to them? Are you actually following them? Are you actually disciples of them? Are you disciples of the one teacher, of the one rabbi, of the one father? Are we pure in heart? Or are we seeking multiple idols? Are we honoring God, but at the same time honoring men? Are we following the ways of God, but at the same time following the ways of the world? Are we pure in heart? For then we shall see God. There's hope in this message. Because Jesus was actually the one. Jesus was actually the one who was poor in spirit. Jesus was actually the one who was meek. Jesus was actually the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Jesus was actually the one who was merciful. Jesus is the one who mourns. Because right after the, the woes, Jesus actually mourns for Jerusalem. Jesus is actually the one who mourns for Jerusalem and who mourns for those who go astray jesus is the peacemaker jesus is the one who is persecuted for righteousness sake and jesus is the one to whom are uttered evil words falsely but jesus is the one who rejoices and is glad and i'm speaking now from from matthew 5 from the from from the beatitudes the blessed are you jesus is the one who gave us that example and it is Jesus to whom we can look. It is Jesus who is the one who has actually paid the price so that now we can mirror his heart. He has paid the price so that now we can become free of those idols. He is the one that takes away the judgment, takes away the woes, because we are now able to follow him and follow him alone there is hope in this message because as as we give the Holy Spirit room he will reveal us that what is right and what is true but also those things from which we may turn away we have to turn away and they might be in church they might be in your life they might be thoughts or feelings in your heart that no one, no one sees. But the one who sees in secret. He will reward you in secret. As you seek him in secret. <laughs> so I want to close off in prayer. And um, yeah, I ask you if, if you're watching. Maybe the Holy Spirit is convincing you of, of things right now. Of, of an attitude that is more Pharisee-like than it is Christ-like. Of, of ways where you've been acting in a way that it, that more looks like the way that this, the Pharisees and the scribes were, are described than that it looks in the way that, that, that Jesus is subscribing the people of the kingdom of God in Matthew 5. And I pray that as the Holy Spirit points things out to you, that He'll give you grace. Because the Holy Spirit does not point out sin to condemn you, but to set you free. But if you want to become free, you need to surrender first. You can't become free of something that you don't give to God to, to, to give you freedom in. <laughs> so I thank God that you reveal our hearts to us. I thank you, God, that you reveal to us what are the things in church where we start to look like the world? What are the things in, the, in, in, in church where we start to look like the Pharisees in the times of Jesus? And we ask, Father, forgive us. Forgive us. And point us back to you. Point us back to you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your justice. Thank you for your faithfulness that you love us with a deep, deep love and that there's nothing that can separate us from this love of God not even the inclinations of our own heart not even the inclinations of our own heart snatches away from the love of God so we surrender again and we say, come, Jesus, make us clean. Holy Spirit, come. Fill our hearts again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.